Relativity. Hey, this is Lee Shackelford, creator of Relativity, not of the whole phenomenon of relativity as it exists, of course, but that's above my pay grade, but uh, of the Relativity podcast, the radio serial. And uh, because we are in pre-production for the next season, I am filling this time and hoping to provide our uh, loyal listeners with some interesting content by talking with folks who have responded positively to the show and are themselves creators of uh, radio, drama, or podcast, audio fiction. Tonight, it is my, my, my honor. I, I'm clutching my heart as I say this. <laughs> To talk to Shannon Perry, who's laughing in the background. So I don't have to say, Shannon, are you there? I am. I is. am chortling even. How do you? Yes. We were just talking about. <laughs> I, do I understand right that Lewis Carroll coined that word? That he, is that he, right? He, I believe that he gave us the word chortle. It seems very yeah. Lewis Carroll. Yeah, exactly. Definitely something you would do beyond the looking glass. Shannon Perry you, is not a name you may know, but faithful listener, but you may know the name of the hilarious podcast outer space adventure called Oz 9, of which Shannon is, I think, the creator. Is that a fair yes. word to say? Yes. It was your, your uh, main idea. The originator. Yes. originator. <laughs> and, and she's brought together a team, uh, an ensemble of extraordinary talent um, who uh, tickle our funny bones um, in outer space. Fortnightly. Fortnightly, yes. Fortnightly. <laughs> and because only a mad person would try to get these out once a week, which is what I do. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things that fascinates me about Oz9 is that we, we seem to cover a lot of the same ground, which is since my show is serious, if not grim, <laughs> and Oz9 is, shall we say, silly? Oh, yes. Okay. Yes, that is um, decidedly silly. <laughs> it's, it's amazing how often we get into the same place. But um, anyway, I, is there a have you got a practice pitch line, Shannon? How do you how do you if you're trying to sell somebody on? We'll assume that people don't know what the hell I'm talking about. How do, <laughs> what, how do you how do you tell them about it? And I. Uh, You'd think I would be able to answer that question relatively easily, but I don't have one either. So yeah, it's it's a we are on a ship of quietly disintegrating rich people, and it's staffed by a bunch of ex-cons. Well, you know, cons of the sort of lightweight variety shoplifter yeah. type. Right. <laughs> so yeah, heading to a new planet, basically having been cleansed off of Earth. Yes. loaded term but yeah yes. <laughs> <laughs> excused uh, we've been excused we've been excused right. <laughs> so the, yes the line from pride and prejudice that my wife and i are always saying is you've delighted us long enough <laughs> yes thank you dear you've delighted us long enough yes exactly <laughs> so, um that's funny i'm having demolition done at my house and uh because we just had a flood come through here Oof. and um uh, yeah, but I'm hearing things falling down and crashing at your house, which is... That so. would be our ice machine. Oh, okay. Awesome. <laughs> we have the world's loudest ice machine. <laughs> Do you live in an hotel? <laughs> Welcome to the House of Whimsy. We've decided it's a whimsical ice Shannon's machine. Shannon's House of Whimsy. <laughs> it's Shannon's House of Whimsy. Whimsy is serious business. That is basically my tagline for life. Well... Mm, that that puts you with Oscar Wilde, and you can't go wrong with that, I guess. So. Perfect. Um, oh, did I steal that from him? Oh, nuts. I, I don't know. That, that's that's <laughs> close to the subtitle for The Importance of Being Earnest, which I can't quite remember, but it's something gotcha. like that. But, um, yeah, in theory, uh, the these conversations are to talk about relativity, but I also hope to, to talk a lot about Oz9 as well. Uh, uh, so I'm going to get the... Uh, the masthead stuff out of the way first. These 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 interview episodes need to include a spoiler warning because we'll probably talk about things that have happened up to episode forty in relativity. So I'm going to go ahead and do that now. Spoilers, 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 spoilers. Okay, there it is. And here's the other thing. And I, I said this when we were talking with uh, our dear friend David S. Deer that I I do have the next 
10 episodes plotted. And I can show them to anybody if they want. <laughs> but so by asking people to perhaps theorize about what's going to happen next, I'm getting into this weird territory with fellow creators of perhaps sounding like I'm stealing their ideas, which I'm not, or, or perhaps I can assure you there is, there is no danger here. <laughs> you're not going to, I'm not going to say anything you're okay. going to want. All right. <laughs> so I think we're, well, we're in the clear. Okay. Uh, here, here's one thing I'll, I've got to tell you right, right up front, Shannon, is that I know that we're both great, huge fans of Douglas Adams. It, it's all over Oz 9 in a, in a really good way, a way that I enjoy always. And uh, since the episode that we just cliffhangered on, on Relativity, was episode 40, when I sat down to write this next batch, one of the things I realized was that I'm writing episode 42. Mm-hmm. And since my show is not a a comedy show. I was wondering to what extent can I load it with references to Hitchhiker without you know as crossing long as you, the line. Is Chris able to have a towel drift by mm. or absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that's it. All it has to be is a towel, right? Literally all it has to be is a towel. Yeah. So it, that's Douglas Adams fans will recognize it instantly. If if nothing else, I think you'll you'll get the references I'm making anyway. Oh yeah. But, um, Huge Douglas Adams fan. So, what do you what do you suppose it is? What do you, what is it about Adams? For me, Douglas Adams has the most truly original mind. I mm. think, in in fiction, he his perception of the universe, his perception of humanity's place in it, his ideas of his whimsy. I mean, he's just utterly unique. And I, you know, I, when I was a kid and first discovered him when living in small town Illinois, mm. it was just this expansion of my own personal skies, sort of thing. So. Yeah, yeah, it does kind of you blow the lid off everything, and you. It was a new way of looking at the world. It was just that adults could be goofy and silly. <laughs> You know, and, and I grew up, the very first show I remember seeing, and my parents will be horrified if they ever hear this, but the very first television show I ever remember seeing was Monty Python's Flying Circus, which probably secret. tells you. <laughs> Nobody will listen to this. Okay. Good, because prudence would not approve. Mm. But, uh, <laughs> so, you know, the, that sensibility, that humor, yes, that goofiness has always been just fundamental to my, to the things I need from the universe. And Douglas Adams was just, there was that sustained cleverness and that wonderful use of language. He's incredibly playful with language. It's just, yes. he's magical. He is magical. I even have a short story floating around somewhere that I someday will finish writing about a, a woman who is haunted by Douglas Adams. And he just keeps leaving half cups of tea around her apartment. <laughs> and, you know, things like that. So, what a lovely idea. Oh, <laughs> I, I, yeah, come, 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 inhabit my house, Douglas. Exactly. Wherever you are. Exactly. Um, so I have some least, questions for you, though. By all means. All right. So can I start with my first question? Yes. Because so this is one of the things I ran up against in writing my own script because I don't. I know that you ha um, plot out your storyline um, at least to a certain extent. You kind of know where you're headed. I'm a big plotter. Yeah. That's awesome. I am a pantser yes <laughs> so we, I we, know, we know girl in space we know exactly. <laughs> she, exactly. she teaches about the plotters and the pantsers yep and pantser, I am... pantser not having you know, that that may sound vulgar we're talking about the the world war one pilot idea flying by the seat of your pants yep yep i am i am of that ilk okay so I, i'm curious what is the time frame that we have seen so far i have been being really elastic with time and mm -hmm. um I, it makes me wish that I had sort of sat down from the very beginning and figured everything out because every now and then I want to say, you know, I've been worrying about this for, uh-oh, how long has it been? <laughs> right. Because at least originally the show, there were never any lapses of time. So 15 minutes would pass in an episode and the next episode was literally the next 15 minutes. Right. So this, this would go on for a month and I would say, we're still in the same day. <laughs> it's still the same day that this explosion happened, you know. Um, so I've I've been able to fudge that, but I'm still not sure how much time has passed on board the ship. It, it hasn't been long, right? And I guess in in Chris's terms, it doesn't really matter 
there is that relativity compensator, which makes everything, which allows for elasticity. I mean, this yes. is, kind of, you know, which I think is extremely clever, but yeah. uh, I was just There's, curious how much time has passed because it's. It can't be more than a couple of weeks total mm -hmm. from the beginning of the, the whole nightmare. Right. Which makes, which makes the growth of the characters even that much more impressive because uh, it feels organic. It That's feels good. utterly organic. And, and yet you realize it's in this very contracted period of time. And it just, it works. They That's, go, their relationship evolves, they evolve. It's amazing. The story evolves. That's marvelous. And I, I, I think of it as being in the way, the way I've made the show and the way I've listened to it myself was, you know, one week at a time. Mm -hmm. And so then enough episodes got out there where people started binging it. And that was honestly not something I had thought about before. Mm -hmm. So I've been trying to think, what would that be like to listen to all these conversations that is as if they were one huge conversation? And would it be credible that this much change is taking place over this well, period of time? Right. From a binger's perspective, I can tell you that it works. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. It really oh, I mean, I mean, I totally planned that. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean. Yeah. So my second question was... There are these moments when Sophia kind of breaks. Now, Sophia seems very, she's very controlled. She's very contained. She's very measured. And then she builds and builds and builds and, and then breaks. And those, those breaks when she shows that emotion, like when she actually cries a couple mm -hmm. times, like those are so powerful and that actress is amazing. Um, yeah. What I'm curious about is how do you as a writer know that you have reached her breaking point? Like, do you just feel it? Is there some sensibility about it? What, how do you know? Wow, what an outstanding question. I, it does feel like a sixth sense. And part of it is because the, I think it would be tempting for people to assume that the character in this show who is like me is Chris. And, mm -hmm. and I, guess, I guess there's aspects. But really, my voice in the show is Sophia. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just wanted to flip the genders to be perverse and to do something I hadn't done before. But but that's that is a lot more who I tend to be. I tend mm. to keep things crammed down to say, listen, I just got to know what the facts are. Just tell me what I'm dealing with right now, and then I'll go away somewhere and break down. And so I, I feel like I know how that works. And I also know, as somebody who's been in therapy for years, how did this get so confessional? That... That that's not healthy. What she's doing is not, that's not good. Mm -hmm. We understand in her backstory why she is living her life that way. It's, it has worked for her, mm -hmm. but it can't work forever. She can't, she can't keep doing that. She's going to explode uh, yep. or have some kind of a breakdown. Right. So does, does that feel right to you? That, does that it does. I mean, she has these little steam vents. Yeah. moments yeah where she gets to release a little bit but you always but you can hear her clamp it back down like i will let this go and now i'm done and i'm going to clamp that back down and even though i haven't released all the steam and eventually the lava is, will follow yeah you know there is it feels very like you can almost say and there she goes right yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. clamping yeah. it back down oh that's great because yeah, yeah. I, I i want it to be clear that there's a pattern at work there the yeah. other thing is that i know elena so well she's a former student of mine i've known her for years and she and i have a, it's almost telepathic i i write things and i hear her voice in my head as i'm writing and i send them to her in hollywood and she records them in her little studio and by god they come back exactly the way i envisioned these lines of dialogue yeah uh, which that's incredible yeah. Do do you ever have that? Experience? Do you often have that experience? Do you? Well, we we do our recording all together. Yeah. So we have most of us are here in Seattle, and then we Skype in two from Chicago and one from Austin. Our Jesse Bonnie Brantley is in Austin, and yeah. Aaron and June, our two assassins, are in Chicago. And so we're we're all present. Yes, our two assassins. Insert, we have extras. Insert Chicago joke here. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, not Chicago. Sorry, Champaign Urbana. Okay, that's even worse. <laughs> I know, crazy. But uh, so we skype them in. So we're I'm all sure actually in Illinois, <laughs> <laughs> and they they never ran for governor. <laughs> oh, did I say we might have to nix oh, that? Yeah. <laughs> oh. 
Uh, sorry. Their dead relatives voted in the last election, though. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing to see here. Yeah. Not adding to the FBI file or anything, (laughs) along with my browser history. That's right. So, yeah. Uh, So, you know, we don't have that experience of, well, that's not entirely true. We do a read-through, and then we do the recording together, and then occasionally my remotes will say, I didn't really like how I read that line, so I'll Mm. send you extra, you know, new versions. And they are spot on every time. So, yeah. but we always have that experience of, of sharing the moment first. And I mean, I don't, I think you actually direct, and I'd be curious to hear about that because I don't. I'll be like, yeah, you kind of said that wrong, or you missed a line, or, but that's like the extent of my direction. And fortunately, my cast, they don't need it. But um, how do you handle that? I, I stay out of Elena's way, honest to God. I just yeah. let her do what she's going to do. Um, Stephanie and Clarence, I, I have the opportunity. I usually record live with them, and I have the opportunity to say, let's try that again mm-hmm. with maybe, you know, um, so usually, but usually it's just, let's, that, I, I could, I would be glad to keep that take. Let's, but let's try something else just because we can. You know? Nice. Right. Um, and, um, yeah. And myself, um, I know that I'm often saying something and I will hear it in my headphones and say, Haha, let's do that again. Shall we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. so you're, you're, so you're often directing yourself as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah and it's, it's funny. We have a lot of very slippery, slidey accents. So. <laughs> well, that's, <laughs> this is, I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up. Cause one of the things I wanted to say was that if there's something that has come, the, the closest I've gotten to getting negative feedback about relativity. And I want to be clear in case Elena and Stephanie hear this, that nobody has criticized the accents that we hear from, Marta or uh, Sophia, but mm-hmm. they have asked, you know, they've said, are you, are you trying to be funny with the, with the ethnic accents or, or what? Um, Elena really? did something that was in Italian once and somebody, and somebody said, that was kind of cartoon Italian. Was that, was that deliberate? I thought, Hey, Elena speaks this language. It's I know, but you know how, Everybody hears things differently and so on. Yep. And, yep. And, Marta, and Marta's accent is broad. And we, we have a sort of in-canon explanation for that that I think makes sense. And, it's, mm-hmm. and I, I know German women who talk exactly like this. Right. Um, but, uh, but I was thinking, we, if we're going to get criticized or even questions about broad ethnic stereotypes, I wanted to say, have you heard Oz 9, perhaps? <laughs> I'd like to introduce you to a show... <laughs> Maybe <to Tee-hee>. be- <laughs> yes uh, <laughs> we are basically yeah <laughs> what the, again that's monty python isn't it that's it is yeah it is in fact the uh the actor aaron who plays le bichon frise or frise more properly <laughs> yes. um it, it said he based it on the you know the guy in um holy grail exactly yeah john cleese on the on the battlement yeah. exactly nice. <laughs> some point we'll have to bring in the word elderberries i think exactly. <laughs> in case anybody's <laughs> missed hamsters, it you know? yes <laughs> exactly yeah it's uh but how do you cast are you and are these the kinds of questions that we're are these good questions these are these are the things questions. i'm curious about okay yes, great fabulous yeah and yeah, i, know, I, I want to go back to the story but i also you, want to talk you were about feeling this. intimidated about asking questions about science i think and and um yeah, yeah. I, I should tell you, uh, I have always been interested in writing science fiction and fantasy and always loved the idea, uh, an interview with Gene Roddenberry that I had read mm. as a very young man, where he was saying that to me, the science is not as important as the story. And to me, that was a revelation. I really somehow had the idea that Star Trek, I was very young. I thought it needed to be about science <laughs> and not about people, <laughs> which I now realize is ridiculous. Um and then I got an opportunity to actually pitch and you know contribute some ideas to Next Generation. So I had the oh, writer's wow. manual, and the writer's manual says on page one, this is not a science fiction show about science. This is a science fiction show about people. So That's, I love that because that I, it's awesome because I will never write The Martian. 
<laughs> no, no, that's right. That's a huge commitment, that kind of hard mm-hmm. science. Yeah. yeah. But but Narc's next generation, I could take to like a duck to water because they said, look, if we need an explanation for something, we will effing make it up because it doesn't matter. And they're... they're there are ex- they're, they're examples of this that I just completely loved. I, I, I just, you know, you, you don't expect to open a writer's guide and start laughing. But they said, look, in the first season of Next Generation, somebody refers to an element inside the ship's hull as selignium. Well, in the script, if you look at it, the word selignium is literally the word meaningless spelled backwards. Oh, that's awesome. It doesn't matter what's it, the, what, what that thing in this hull of the ship does is whatever we say it does. Right. Let's move on. You know? <laughs> the magic um, of science fiction. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. But yours, I mean, yours, yours is genuinely science-y. I mean, even if it's not entirely factual, it certainly, it mimics the science beautifully. At, like, at I am yeah. completely convinced. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. Well, I, I do. I, I realize that it's not. Nobody would call it hard, hard SF. This isn't Arthur C. Clarke. Mm-hmm. But, but, <laughs> I do love Clarke and Asimov and other people who really wanted to write hard SF. And I want. I wanted everything in relativity to at least be credible. Mm-hmm. We, and if nothing else, because I always had this idea of these voices that people are going to start hearing. And if you establish the background in the story that everything does have a logical explanation, that when something like that happens, the audience has to say, huh? Mm-hmm. Where is that coming from? If you, so, you know? Yeah, yeah it's a little, we were talking about this the other day, Richard and I, about how if you're reading a murder mystery and the, the piece that solves the puzzle, you're not given at some point along the way. Mm. You feel cheated. Like, yes. that's not a real murder that's mystery. I could not have solved that. Yeah. yeah. You can't bring in an extra nephew at the very end and tell oh. me, he, you know, that's the key piece. Like, that, that, that's not fair. And so, I, but I feel like you, you, you've definitely covered that. There, there's, there, all the pieces are there. I may not see the pattern yet, but they're all there. It's all there. It's all there. Yeah. On the other hand... <laughs> We just blow stuff up. <laughs> we need something, we blow something up. Uh, or lock everybody in the closet until the air runs out. <laughs> we have a tendency to have breathing things going on on the yeah. ship. Well, you know, you're in space, man. It's, a, it's what happens. It is. There you go. So, um, next question. And I'm glad you did the spoiler thing because I want to ask you about the um, You Must Remain Connected. Mm. That feels very E.M. Forster to me. That whole idea of connection is the key. Um, yeah, because I always think of Passage to India. Oh, you ready. know, the yeah. have been compared favorably to E.M. Forster. Good. You've been compared favorably to everybody. I yeah. love your your show. Um, so I'm just I'm, I'm putting curious. that on my business cards now. <laughs> have been compared favorably to E.M. Forster. Um, so I'm just curious, like that, that idea of connection, because Chris is rapidly moving away from the possibility of connection and how, is that something he's had an opportunity to really think about yet? Or is he so caught up in this moment of ensuring his own survival, figuring out what's going to happen to this mission and, and how committed he is to this mission as it is, like, has that that coming loss of connection even really crossed his radar yet. Oh, you mean because... I mean, obviously it has, but I wonder how much he's thought about, I am going to be severing this connection to Sophia at some point. Yeah. yeah. But that's, a again, what a spectacular question. I'm so glad you, you're conducting this interview. <laughs> because <laughs> your, your questions Can I take so... over? <laughs> <laughs> and... and yeah, you saved my butt. That's what you did. Um, yeah, I, it's it's an outstanding question. I, I I really think he has not thought it all out. I, I I think this is well. You know, they always say if if somebody is in a drama is running, they're either running to something or they're running away from something. Mm. And he's running away. Mm-hmm. 
And he did not expect to be doing it alone, but he is. So that's just how it is. But where he's going, I don't think he's really thought this all out. And, um, and, and really, that's um, a, bit of a, a bit of an advanced peak. But one of the first things we're dealing with in this next season that I'm writing now is Marcus and Sophia telling him, look, we've got the telemetry, telemetry on your ship. I don't see how this is going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we can't tell you what to do. Right. We can't, we can't turn the ship around from here without your help. But, um, dude, 15 <laughs> years. Uh, at the end of which uh, time, you're going to break out of the relativity bubble, and it's going to be 90 years in the future. Or no, I actually had to get a time dilation calculator to get this. At the end of his 20-year trip, 50 years will have passed on the Earth. Wow. So by the time he, when, when he jumps out of the, the compensator field, um, yeah, 30 years will instantly pass on Earth from his point of view. Right. So you're right. If there's connection, he's about to sever it. Well, he'll sever it years from now. Right. So, yeah, I, I don't think he's thought it out. And here are these voices demanding that you remain connected. But what is mm -hmm. that? So what? that sounds like you have a very specific idea of what that means. I, I don't. I mean, I don't. I, th th this whole notion of this guy traveling alone in space for this vast period of time is absolutely fascinating to me because... Of course, you put yourself in Chris's shoes and say, what would I do in that case? Would I follow the captain and step out into space? Yeah. You know, at some point, would I be yeah. able to be in my own head for 15 years with just this very tenuous connection via a comms unit for as, as long as that lasts? Because who knows right. at what point that's going to suddenly go away. And yeah. it could go away at any time. I mean, how fragile that must feel. So I just, I'm, I'm fascinated by... Chris, his position that he's in and the idea that, okay, when the immediate crises are suddenly over and that's, and now we're in day to day, yeah. how does, how does that going to work? I mean, yeah. you can, you can avoid these issues when you're trying to just survive and you've got to go step outside the ship to see what the explosion was and fix things. And there's, you know, there, there are all these things that need to be done right now in the moment. But what happens when that's done? <laughs> as long as the crises continue, we'll be okay. Exactly. For 20 years. Yeah, 20 years full of crises. So that's right. a lot of cortisol. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that can't be good for you. I'm, just, I'm tired. I'm really tired. You'll be 90 years old when you're right. <laughs> Seriously. Um, but, you know, it's one of the things, um, you know, the actor who played uh, Peter Miblin and I were talking about this, that we're both huge fans of uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey. And one of the things that we love about that is Kubrick's depiction of the, the banality of day-to-day mm -hmm. -day life on board a long space mission about sort of running in circles and, yeah. you know, playing chess with the robot and, yep, yep, yeah. yep. Yeah, lots of banality and moments of sheer terror. That's it. So. <laughs> Interrupted by the occasional. <laughs> uh, so I, yeah. At least on Oz9, things are never dull. No, no. <laughs> That's partly why I was asking you about the time thing, because uh, I forgot. I forgot to have them go to bed. <laughs> Whoops. I see, yeah. Like, several episodes in, it was like, oh, they should probably sleep at some point. It's a little too late for that now, yeah. Yeah, yeah. oh, well. <laughs> no, you can do a, now you can do a whole story about... Uh, Massive sleep deprivation and what that does to <laughs> who have literally forgotten to go to sleep. So. If anybody could do it, it would be this this much. <laughs> but, uh, so I'm curious about how far, like Chris seems to deal with things. He's very impetuous. Obviously, he's he's in the moment of the moment, which is fabulous. He also has this wonderful sense of humor. Like there is a lightness about Chris that is missing that Sophia doesn't necessarily share. Mm. And there's the, you know, there's the one brief time when he admits he has to go to the bathroom and they kind of share a laugh, but you really don't hear Sophia laugh very much. No. And granted, she's in a pretty grim situation on Earth with the yeah. things that are happening there. So that is uh, understandable. But it's, it's just curious that Chris manages to maintain that sense of humor. And maybe that's out of sheer desperation. 
but what are your and, thoughts? And it's not, this is, this is the case where that character just talks the way I do, because that's my sense of humor. Exactly. Um, I mean, like I say, we just had a flood coming through the house and my wife tells me I've been freaking hilarious today. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, our, our world is literally uh, you know, washing out into the yard. And uh, oh no! But but you know, I Sorry. it's I guess you, you laugh or you cry, and I think I'd always rather laugh. Yep. Um, and sometimes, yep, people do stare at me and go, "You realize this is not the time or the place, don't you?" You, you know, so which makes I, it exactly the time and the place. That's right. <laughs> that's why I'm doing this. You get yep. it? Yeah. So yeah, I, I even recognize that about myself. There's a when um, when Sophia was trying to get her mother to wake up, you know, after she'd taken all the knockout drops, you know, and Chris said, you know, I'd come help you, except I'm 720 trillion miles from your house. And Sophia says, you know, this is not the time. Yep. So, yeah, that's just that just it's seems to me like what. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a coping mechanism. Well, and right. It's right. And, totally and, understandable. one. And I don't think I thought that out consciously until David. Uh, David Astier mentioned that uh, when we were talking last week, and he said that he he appreciates the fact that this is Chris's coping mechanism that he mm -hmm. just that he doesn't he doesn't uh, always scream and beat his head against the wall, although he does that sometimes too. Yeah, but most of the time it's making wry, dark jokes. So my next question is: Chris is the ship's doctor, yeah, and therefore the one most committed to and engaged with. Helping them continue to live, which suddenly has not happened. Yes. So my question to you is, how is that, does that affect Chris, knowing that, does he feel like he has failed them, even though there was obviously nothing he could have done? Yeah, I think it has to. And, um, and maybe we haven't said that expressly. That's something to think about. Because, um, yeah, if nothing else, he knows he's out of a job. Right. <laughs> and that's not, you know. Yeah. So, so, and and he was the last person on board, and he isn't properly trained. We've, you know, said that from the beginning. Right. So the the only person left on the ship now is the least capable person. Mm -hmm. And I, I I think that gets to him more than. Yeah. Well, and his one function has been taken away. Right. Yeah. The so. one thing he was good at. Right. I've yeah. got one job on this ship. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's stupid. And I, <laughs> but I, I let everybody else die. So I think. I was hoping that this is part of the joy of being able to help Sophia and Marta. Yes. You know, by radio and say, look, just, this is, let me, I let me do this. This right. is what I do. This is what I do. This is I what I can do. do. Right. Yeah. <laughs> One of the things that I think is fascinating about both of our shows is that both of us have uh, problematic robots and, and artificial intelligence. Um, which is a, a favorite theme of, of Adam's. Yes. Um, real people personalities. Right. It's a, it's a really grim joke. It's really, you want something that acts like a person? Yeah. Is that really what you want? Because, <laughs> yeah, life. Yeah. yeah, I even thought about, <laughs> I thought about having a door say something at one point. And yeah. I thought, no, it's just, it's, it's pushing it a little far. Well, that's it. You can't be too on the nose, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I think there's something very fascinating about this idea of you, you, and I don't know, maybe this is a little too religious based, but this idea that there is this very powerful consciousness that isn't entirely trustworthy <laughs> right. and can mess with you in very, you know, dramatic and unpleasant ways <laughs> you know and, and olivia even does bolts of light like bolts of electricity yes. how you know how <laughs> yes olivia will cut you yeah <laughs> she will cut you yeah she will take you out yeah never mind no. sounding like a dickensian orphan that's she right will, yes. <laughs> she will take you down that's but right. there's just there's something so fascinating in this idea of of having a character who has this much virtually unmitigated power and is a little whimsical herself so I think that's just a, it's an interesting, you know, is it a child's perspective of a parent? I don't know. I don't know where that comes from. There's probably some deep psychological reason for doing it that way, but it's, it's a, it's a, an interesting dichotomy to play with. There must be, a, because I was talking with the, uh, the, the mission from Zix guys at a convention recently and, and they've observed this too, that there, there's so much 
science fiction, outer space, um, podcast fiction out there right now. And we've all got a problematic AI on board. <laughs> and is it just 2001 or is it, because see, see, I think you're right. I think there's, there is some, there's a larger reason for this. We are mm -hmm. talking about something else. Is it the, the parent who we learned later we can't trust? It is, is it fallible about, after all. Yeah. yeah. Is it about some of our, you know, many people's complicated religious feelings or, you know, because if right. you're, if you're on a ship like in 2001 or, or on relativity, the ship is the, the AI is the ship. Right. And yeah. And if she wants to put something in your food, she can, <laughs> you know, absolutely. Uh, and then on the other hand, if you had an, an perfect AI, it would almost make the storytelling too easy. Well, that they could solve all your problems and everything would go perfectly and there's no conflict. Yeah, that's so, true. Yeah. I, and I, I, yeah, they're a little too deus ex machina or something. Oh, yeah. Suppose, well, maybe quite literally, but yeah. Right. I, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's true. It's just boring if they're perfect. Yeah, yeah, it is. And it's, it's much more interesting to make them problematic yeah so and i haven't you know and that's an interesting conversation for you because how problematic are they right are they deeply untrustworthy a la hal are they yeah. mostly benevolent are they <laughs> somewhere in between it's you know I, olivia is very changeable mm -hmm. and uh her loyalties are unclear most of the time <laughs> except for except for lead is concerned except for lead. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> um giving giving robots animal passion is always interesting to me that's a it's just a it's just a fun idea <laughs> that's a, of all things <laughs> and we started out with her when we were making the cartoon characters that go with the with each you know the visuals and we told our artist you know to make her a, a dickensian looking orphan right mm. Yeah. And then he made her really young, and we thought, oh, no. Because yeah. suddenly her lead thing gets really creepy, <laughs> like yes. completely inappropriate. Yes. So we, Very we made her older. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, we need to age her up a little bit. <laughs> this, is just, this is just wrong. <laughs> the things well, you don't think of, you know. Oh, that's right. Yeah. No, well, yeah. Well, points to you for catching that and saying, you know, <laughs> you know. This is awkward. <laughs> Let's rethink that. Yeah. Well, and and yeah, talking about other unreliable uh, robots and things on the ship is that you've got you've got a character with two heads, which is if that isn't if that isn't Douglas Adams shout out, I don't know what is. Because, <laughs> he is. Yeah. I, because I always I always love the fact that because Hitchhiker started as a radio show, I mean I'm sure that's the only reason in the world why Zaphod has two heads. Because it's a radio show and you can do anything you want. Yep. And it's not until doing the TV show that they have to wrestle with the problem of actually trying to figure out how to do that. Trying to figure out how to make that work. Yeah. Yeah, and it's a little bit the two-headed giant in the in Python as well. Yes. Because I just I love this idea of these two heads that are they're they have to make it work together. They're stuck with each other. Yeah. You know, and they can be very different personalities and but they have to, and mine, they don't even synchronize how they walk. Like, yes. that's not done for them. They each have to individually move their leg. Like, it is talk a, about a design flaw. Yes, but, but a sound design joke that is uh, a glory <laughs> to listen to. <laughs> it's, there's not a lot of sound design, you know, that just brings a laugh. But, <laughs> oh, God, these guys really cannot get it together. <laughs> walk down the corridor. Yes. That was that was very fun to play with. That was very fun to play with. So um, I, I'm realized I'm jumping you on topics here. Sorry oh, about yeah. that. But yeah. I, I realized I left out probably my key question Ooh. that I wanted to make sure I asked. We don't know a lot of Chris's backstory. Yeah. Is that coming? Is that something you can share a little bit of? Yeah, it is. Um, I mean, that's that's been deliberate that he, he does not that we're learning all this stuff about Sophia's family. He mm -hmm. does not talk about his family. And um, it's not because there's a secret. It's just because it's painful. And uh, and yeah, it's coming. Excellent. Uh, and well, I don't know. I shouldn't say more, but yeah, 
But, it's uh, just it's it's interesting that Chris is so open in so many ways, yeah. or he he seems to be. I think it is almost more subterfuge than <laughs> than real. Like I I feel like he he seems to reveal a lot. He seems very open. He seems very giving of information and sharing, yeah. and and he shares his emotions quite freely. And yet there is so much that he keeps to himself. Yeah, that's not even hinted at. Sophia gives herself away occasionally mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. like we said, she has those little steam vents and she gives herself away when she gets to that point and has to release. Chris yeah. doesn't get to that. Point. Then she says, oops. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and then there's a lot of apologizing and, yeah. and fleeing and we're not going to talk about that. But uh, yeah. And she Chris does get just to go home. We've met her mother and we've heard all about her father and her sister. And yeah. Right. Right. So, yeah. But, yeah. yeah. Chris just never gets to the point where he is, forced to reveal anything yeah which he yeah which is very interesting and not in any kind of sneaky or underhanded way he just is careful i think well and all we know is that he left the earth because there was no reason to stay right and that probably suggests a lot but you know i guess a lot of people would say that like i might as well right um yeah cool question though yeah, I'm very curious to learn more about him. He's a very intriguing character. I mean, obviously, but because who who signs up for a 20 year voyage away from Earth on a whim? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. right. There's got to be something that. Yeah, like I say, everybody's either going somewhere, or they're running away from something. So, yeah, uh, there you go. He shot a man in Reno just to watch him die. <laughs> but That's... he did not shoot the deputy. He did not shoot the deputy. So. <laughs> Double tap people. <laughs> ah, that's fun. Yeah, this may be my series of interviews in which um, uh, all of us uh, identif- uh, give away how old we are as we talk along. <laughs> there are so many, so many interesting um, traveling in space shows right now. Um, I, I had the, the mad idea when I started that I was the only one. And um, yeah, so it's been, it's been such fun to discover... Uh, help me out here. Um, Oz9 and Moonbase Theta out. I guess you'd say they're, well, they're on the moon. Yep. Girl in uh, Space. Girl in Space, of course. Uh, Arca yep. 45672. Um, yep. Uh, we Fix Space Junk. Uh, Tendril, the Banshee Chronicles. of Oblivity. Uh, yeah. Uh, Starship Iris. Uh, yeah. On and on and on it goes. Yeah. So. yeah. And all good stuff. There's yeah. such, and it's, it's amazing that it's such well-tread space, so to speak. And yet, each show is very unique. Well, that's it. That's what I was going to say. How is it that we're not stepping on each other's toes? But I really yeah. don't... I, I, it's, it's amazing. It's, yeah. It's fairly stunning. And the really cool thing about it, the thing I love, I think, more than almost anything, is that uh, we are very much the rising tide that lifts all spaceships. Like, everybody mm-hmm. talks about each other's shows. Oh, uh, yeah. We, and it's not like we're dividing and, and, and fighting over an audience. We're sharing the same audience. People who like... Moonbase Theta out like relativity and like, you know, and they'll, they just kind of move through our lists. That's right. <laughs> which is, yeah. Which is no, great. I, you know, yeah, that's it. We, we seem to, we, we really should form a network, I guess, because <laughs> what we're doing is, because <laughs> you're right. People who, who like one of our shows seem to like them all. And that's, uh, that's awesome. It really it is. It be is. Awesome. So I, I, I'm such a such a fan of your writing and work that I, I I'm I'm a little surprised that you 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 come up with great questions to ask me and I'm I'm just stuck on things that I wanted to ask you except about you know about uh, atoms and um, well I, I, I do remember <laughs> I do remember my big question is do you <laughs> I think I already know the answer to this do you have an end point planned for Oz nine is no this is not going anywhere. No, you know, it's, it's ridiculous. You and David were talking about driving toward an endpoint, And David, yeah. it sounds like, is, is definitely a plotter. Like, he, he's such a great storyteller. I just love his show. But um, I can't write that way. Like, I, if I know the ending, then I suddenly start forcing everybody towards it. Yeah. And forcing the story towards it. And it just, it becomes very mechanical. And it's very obvious. And so I tend to just... Right. And literally last week I was writing on Thursday what we recorded on Friday. So yeah. here's where the comparison to Douglas Adams ends. Like I am literally 
oh. <laughs> you know, throwing it under their noses as they're speaking virtually. So that uh, that much at least I share in common with the uh, DNA. But uh, oh, okay, uh, yeah, I was going to say no. My understanding <laughs> was he was exactly like that. Okay, yes, yeah, All right, yes. okay. Yeah, that's that's the one thing I have with him is that we are both really bad at getting stuff done in, ahead of time. Um, so my cast is wonderful. They are totally good with it. I'll throw a random character with a new accent under their nose, like literally the day of recording and they're frantically YouTubing Minnesota accents to try and figure out how to do that, you know, which is, which is ridiculous, but it, it is, it is very much, I, I write that way. And I, I kind of, I am envious of people who don't, I have to say when they have it all worked out and they can release it in this nice, every two weeks and it comes out every two weeks or every week or whatever and it's yeah. all produced and it's beautiful and there's no stress <laughs> like, yeah well nah. it's probably a different stress but I don't yeah know. i'm well, sure i'm sure but uh I, mm. it seems calmer <laughs> yeah but i so admire it and it's one of the things i really think about that works about oz9 is that it always feels fresh it always feels like we're just sort of lunging forward <laughs> Not quite knowing what's going to, if we're all going to land on our faces or not. And, uh, so, That's awesome. So, so the forward motion, it, you could feel it. It's tangible there. It's just, and so, it then, so then when a surprise the comes in, well, yeah. I, and I started out trying to be cute with episode titles, but we, if we're going to have a contest of cute episode titles, you win. <laughs> because <laughs> I... Thank you, thank you. Bowing a little bit. Well, well uh, people are people. I mean, like um, people are making their own T-shirts and say things like "We are not breathing the passengers" and stuff like that. So, <laughs> I mean, it's they become catchphrases in the in our little community. Okay, I have to say, writer to writer, this is like the thing that gets me most of all, and I'm sure you've experienced this: is when someone quotes you back to you. Oh yeah. Man, that's weird. Oh, it's yeah. awesome, but it is so weird. People it's... are constantly saying to me now, "It's not my fault." Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Say it yeah. to me all the time. Like I think that is absolutely fantastic, but it's so odd. <laughs> oh, right? Yeah. Oh, it's I, just, yeah. You know. No, I had somebody walk up behind me at a, at an event and whisper behind me, "You must remain connected." <sighs> yeah, which is a little creepy and stalking. Yeah, but, but that yeah, is but, super But still, cool. it was awesome. Because, I, I mean, <laughs> if I hadn't been wearing my Relativity t-shirt, it would have just been weird, but yeah. Yeah, true. Uh, but that's that's awesome. And well-deserved. Your show is brilliant. It really is great. Thank you yeah, so much. Chris, Lee. Yeah, right. Yeah. When, so, when we're hearing each other's voices, yeah, what... So. <laughs> Do you... Now, um, somebody else in the cast has the same last name as you. I don't want to make assumptions there about my the brother. relationship. Yeah. Yeah, um, but you but you also have a a spouse who's involved in this too. Boyfriend, yes. boyfriend, yes. okay, yeah. yeah, yeah, okay, because yeah, and I was trying to parse <laughs> that out just disappointed. just because one of them was responding for you in the chat the other day, and I thought that's not this okay. Yeah, so we should I'm probably make that clear. <laughs> trying to get the relationships fixed figured out, but yeah, yeah. So, Eric is my brother. It's but, funny how the 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 assemblage of our cast has been a little nutty but you know appropriately so so it's a it's a fabulous group of performers and and i the, the virtuosity fortunate. of all these voices and when you're when you're throwing dialects at them in a short period of time is uh is really impressive well this whole thing came about and and i'd love to hear your origin story as well but it came about because we, you know there's there's not a whole lot of avenue for creativity for people to to actually get something out you know, you write short stories and you can't get them published. You write a film script and you can't get it made. There's just, there's not that much opportunity. YouTube videos, yes, but, you know, there's just, it's it's difficult to find a channel where you can get your creativity, where you have an outlet for that. And so as a frustrated writer, I knew a lot of people who were, did voice acting or acting of different varieties who could use an outlet and 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 just for the fun of it, not to necessarily make a career out of it or to make any money out of it, but just to have that opportunity to perform and do this thing that they love. And radio, this podcast world is so perfect for that because it is an outlet that we have access to with fairly limited resources. It doesn't take a lot of money. It doesn't take a huge amount of equipment. 
although it's nice if you have those things, obviously, but the, the barriers to entry are so much lower than they are for virtually any other forum. And that's amazing. You may notice I'm just letting you talk in the clear. Oh, dear. I'm not, I'm not talking <laughs> over you because that was so brilliant and you, you put so perfectly. If you're asking me, what, you know, why did I do what I'm doing? For exactly that reason. And you're putting it so well. I'm just going to isolate this part and we'll, we'll make it a commercial. We'll just put it out there. Because I haven't talked to anybody who does this who doesn't um, struggle to express the same idea. I mean, imagine making a film of Oz 9. What? Maybe an animated feature, mm-hmm. but, but a live action film of that. What, for one thing, it would ruin it, I think. <laughs> and also, it would, it would be, be, and it would cost $175 billion. I mean, somebody asked me in all seriousness, hey, you ever think of making a video version of Relativity? And I go, <laughs> yeah, let's just hmm. do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Get your checkbook out. Yeah. But yeah, but yeah you, you and I can say, well, we're on a we're on a spaceship hurtling a, away from the Earth, and a part of our ship just fell off. Sorry, Switzerland. <laughs> Sweden. Sweden. It's an eighth Sorry, of Sweden. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, it's funny Sweden. That you know that. Yeah, it's you know we could say that, and everybody visualizes it, and we didn't have to build it. It's an say. amazing medium. It really is. I mean, I can't draw. I have a face for radio, you know, so this is, this is for people who are word people like us, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, this well, is the best medium because even, and I'm a huge reader, obviously, you know, most of us probably yeah, are. Sure. Um, and, and, but to me, podcasting has very much that same mental space where I get to build that picture in my mind. Yes. It's that same engagement that you get from reading a book. That you don't necessarily get from someone reading a book to you. No, it's interesting that that's not the same. Yeah. And I've always, yeah, and I've puzzled over that for a long time. But I, I'm, I'm very fortunate to have had parents who wanted to make sure that I, growing up in the early 60s, heard the radio shows that they grew up with. So they had recordings in the house of Jack Benny and The Shadow and... The War nice. of the Worlds broadcast and and um, Lum and Abner and things like that. So uh, suspense and lights out. So I grew up with those things and, you know, never needed convincing that uh, radio was an amazing, amazing medium and a landscape of the imagination. Mm-hmm. And and then I, I, I yeah, I, I grew up, haha, trying to do things <laughs> for the stage and for screen and for for in print and you're right sometimes it is like beating your head on a wall and uh or we can just write our own stuff perform it ourselves and put it out there and lo and behold there are people who love it and and quote our lines back to us <laughs> so what? crazy you know i started i listened to a lot of bbc radio that was how i kind of got into the whole mm. audio thing was listening to B- streaming bbc on my computer yeah um and then I found Alice Isn't Dead, mm-hmm. which is a wonderful podcast. Yeah. And that really kind of opened my eyes to the possibility of narrative audio drama. I didn't really, I wasn't really into podcasts that much. I didn't know that much mm-hmm. about it. Discovered that a few years ago and it was like, or a couple years ago and thought, oh man, this is awesome. This is such a great medium. It's not a difficult one to, to do. Um, there's lots of tools out there to help you. And good Lord, if you need help, the audio fiction or audio podcast community is incredible like i cannot believe how wonderful these people are they're amazing you said it yeah it's just it's amazing to me but there's this the thing that really stunned me i think about all of this is the very strong connection between creator and listener it feels very personal and maybe that's because we have these social channels we have the discord channel with podcast junkie we have all these opportunities to engage with our audience, but there is a very strong connection between creator and listener. And partly it's the listener experience of, I'm imagining this myself, I am engaged in this process, I am part of this creative process, Um, I'm not just a passive uh, consumer of this whole Mm -hmm. uh, story. And I think that enriches that connection in a very unique way that doesn't exist in other mediums. It, it does feel that way, doesn't it? Um, mm-hmm. It no, feels I mean, more, much more intimate. Yeah, yeah. I, maybe intimate is the word. I can't remember the last time that I wrote anything for stage or screen 
that is that has brought me so many people that I didn't know, sending me email and tweets and so on and and saying, "Wow, I love that." You know, we're more. Let's have more of that. Or yeah, I, I especially love the part where oh, or I I'm wondering if you know those those questions. That's that has never happened to me before, and I've been doing this for an embarrassingly long period of time. <laughs> so well, let's keep doing it. Yeah, deal. Yeah. I think Excellent. that's great. Let's do that. <laughs> I'm, it's, I'm, it's fascinating. I'm, I'm relieved to find that there isn't a planned endpoint for Oz9. I mean, you, um, <laughs> because I just hope it will go on forever. Uh, well, there's, there's an infinite number of stories possible. I, I have to admit, this is, you know, for someone who has been in the work world and done all this, adulting is hard. Yeah. And it's not a lot of fun. Sorry, all you young folks who think being an adult means that you just get to eat licorice all the time. Yeah. Being an adult is hard and it's not a lot of fun. And it's, you can eat licorice all the time. That is, that is true. You kind of undermined my point there, Lee, yeah. but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> that's not on. all it is. <laughs> but there's also, you know, paying for the licorice, which is the painful part. Yeah. But this opportunity to, to, tell a story and in our case to tell a very silly story and a very whimsical mm. story just feels like this wonderful gift and to have people actually respond to it and even to some extent take some ownership of it which i love i am totally thrilled that people are calling themselves space monkeys like yeah. carry on space monkeys you are one of us you know i love that so that just feels very very special and unique i don't know that every adult gets the opportunity to have a big shiny fun toy like this so right are we not the luckiest people in the world in the universe in the universe perhaps given yeah. where we're yeah. <laughs> currently floating that's right there's that ice machine again it's yeah a, that's my that, that's that's my sign to uh, sign off because i've been because it's been an hour and i if i hadn't looked at my clock i would not have realized that because i could talk with you um, yeah, until you tell me to go away. Well, we will have um, an opportunity to talk at great length in April. Ah, yes. We can say that now, can't we? We can say that now. Yeah, we're, we're out and proud. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll say more about that then. So in April, uh, April 25th here in Seattle, Washington, we are hosting a live show of several different podcasts all gathering together. So help me if I forget anybody, but it's... Yeah. Uh, Ninth World Journal, right. Oz9, Relativity, yes. Moonbase Theta Out, and Sage and Savant, with the special guest appearance by Girl in Space. Okay, I was going to say, you were forgetting what? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Oh, we don't forget Sarah. No. no. <laughs> we love Sarah. And so. she's the only one of this bunch that I've met in person, so. Me too. It's kind of fun. How about that? Yeah. 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 But you're right. You. As, as you texted me the other day, you, we've got to figure out a way to get some of us in a room together just to talk about writing. Just because, mm -hmm. yeah, I just, um, yeah, because I, I, I wish that I had um, the ability or the mindset, whatever it is, to to fly by the seat of the pants as you do. And I think so brilliantly. Oh, and I, I literally you. can't. Well, the grass is always greener, honey. Well, <laughs> I, I guess so. I'd be so much happier if I could plot this out and have an idea and it didn't depend on the planets aligning when I sit right. down to write. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for relativity because oh. honestly, I and I can't even remember how I stumbled across it. Uh, I think probably in the Discord channel. Yeah. But it is it is one I of my very favorite things. Oh. Bless your heart. Well, yeah, thank you for your support and your enthusiasm. And thank you for, for Oz9, which has given me a lot of merry laughs. <laughs> a lot of, as, as somebody in the, the Podcast Junkie uh, Discord was saying, almost those moments where you almost run off the road because you're laughing and not watching what you're doing. That's right. Anyway, so, if, so, so for any relative listeners who don't know what the hell we're talking about, how do they find Oz9? We are on most podcatchers, the, the usual, and also at oz-9.com. Yeah, where there's lots of groovy art and uh, some fun uh, there information is. about the show. And uh, yeah, who is, uh, as a cartoonist, I, I got to ask, who is, who is that artist who's done this? Oh, I'm so glad you asked that. His yeah. name is Lucas Elliott. 
He's yeah. in Alaska, and he is amazing. He did uh, two of the cast members. He did their wedding portrait, <laughs> which is fabulous. It's so cool. It even has their dog in it. It's just gorgeous and super cool. And when we were looking for somebody, I said, we got to have good artwork. The writing's going to be terrible. We got to have good artwork. <laughs> so uh, Richard wow. said, <laughs> Leet, our Leet actually suggested Lucas, and he's been fantastic. He's incredibly professional he's got a great sense of humor he's we said okay we have this character who's an ai she sounds like a dickensian orphan go yeah, go yeah. okay <laughs> now he, older yeah he said, now make her a little taller yeah. <laughs> so it's not quite so creepy and we're right. good so yeah well, we yeah. lucked out and when people um see and follow when they when they've heard the show and they can fall in love with those uh, cartoon likenesses they can also buy enamel pins of them now yeah. Which are things of beauty. So, Shannon, this has been so much fun. Thank you for taking time out of your evening. Oh, thank you for asking. This has been yeah. fabulous. I will see you in Seattle. <laughs>